2: They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football.
0: Post-match chat with chaps for that Millwall podcast where it finished at the den. Millwall won, Sunderland won. A much better performance, a much uh, more controlled, uh, structured performance, uh, more passion, more fight in the players. Um, and a, a big step in the right direction um, gives us a point against the Sunderland side who have their own challenges at the moment. Could it and should it have been all three? Well, let's get into it. Um, after a brief hiatus, I am sort of back now recording these. Um, so thanks as always for for watching, listening. Uh, I was off uh, enjoying my honeymoon, uh, having a safari in Africa. I've got to say, if you've if you ever done it or if you haven't done it, I would thoroughly recommend it. It's just... Uh, and out of this world experience a bit like being at the den at times but you're not here to listen to me talk about my honeymoon you're certainly here to listen to me wrap up the game yesterday against Sunderland so look let's get into uh, into it and start with the lineup so a big performance uh, and a big improvement was needed uh, after uh, the Ipswich game i think i wasn't there against Ipswich but It was as poor as I've seen it in a long, long, long time. And speaking to fans that were there, quite a few of them who have never left the game early did. And I don't blame them because I think, although it was 3-1, if we're really honest, it could have been 6-7, 8-0 if Ipswich hadn't taken the foot off the gas in the second half. Um, The the problem I had with the Ipswich game was, yes, they are a very good side, but I remember being at home game against Birmingham where we lost 6-0 and we were down to nine men. But the whole game, no one could question the commitment of the players. And therefore, everyone stayed and everyone clapped the players off the pitch. That is the absolute bottom line you ask for as a a Millwall fan. And that's exactly what Edwards expected. He, he, He talked about lack of basics, the last lack of intensity and lack of commitment. So, how was he going to address it? Well, he addressed it by making five changes to the starting lineup. So, the starting lineup for us in goal, Bart Bilkowski. A back four, right to left of uh, Ryan Leonard coming into the team at right back. Uh, more to come on Ryan Leonard um, as the, this unfolds. Two centre-backs of uh, Harding on the right and returning Jake Cooper and Captain, who was dropped, rested, whatever you want to call it for Ipswich. Left-back Murray Wallace retains his place. Um, on the right-hand side of the midfield was Brooke Norton Cuffey, pushed further up the pitch with uh, George Savile and Billy Mitchell returning to the side in place of the injured Casper Denor, who looks like he's out until probably the new year with a bit of a freak injury from what um, we, we're, we're reading from, from Edwards. On the left-hand side, George Honeyman also returning to the side. And then up front, Dean Fleming just off of the main striker, Kevin Nisbet, who starts the game after his very tidy finish against Ipswich. For Sunderland... I think they're a very good side. They've got some, some good players. I think they just lack a central striker. And I think that's going to be my narrative for the whole of this, to be honest. Um, so any Sunderland fans that are listening to this, it'd be interesting to hear what you think. Um, but for, for them, I think a couple of noticeable uh, players. So uh, obviously their centre-back pairing of their skipper, Luco9, who is a, definitely a utility man um, playing in centre-back yesterday. Not seen him play centre-back before. Alongside, of course, someone we know very well, Dan Ballard, who uh, I actually thought had a very good game. And I'll go on to talk about why I felt that. Um, Pierre Ekwai in the middle um, is another sort of, you know, player that that keen to to keep an eye on. Uh, And then they're kind of front uh, three, four, if you like. So what was interesting is uh, they went with uh, Mason Burstow up front. They do have striker problems, Sunderland. And then they played with uh, Barr and Clark as their kind of wide uh, forward players. And what was really interesting from the off was, for me, their their clear game plan was to try and exploit our inconsistencies in our back line in terms of the line we play and also whether to play narrow or, or wide defensively because they basically put Clark and Barr incredibly high up and incredibly wide and they just stayed there. Um, and we had to make a decision whether to, to go with them or to play quite narrow. And we did play quite narrow and sort of left them to their own devices, which at times it worked, at times it didn't in that first half. Um, and one of the times it didn't in the first half was when uh, Luke Nine, who uh, seemed to be able to pick a pass to Jack Clark, especially in the first 15, 20 minutes with ease, um, picking it out to Jack Clark. And for the first five minutes, he, um, he had Lennon on his backside. Uh, chasing shadows and and Clark was beating them all ends up. Incidentally, other than the penalty, which we'll come on to later on, that is the only time I recall Jack Clark getting past Ryan Leonard. Um, I felt that Ryan Leonard won the battle overall against Jack Clark, who is, as much as I don't really like him, I think he's a fantastic player at this level and I'll be very surprised if he's still at Sunderland next season. Um, But I felt... The first 20 minutes, it felt like a bit of a Gary Rowick performance, if I'm honest. Um, and I mean that in in not just a negative way. Uh, you know, credit where credit was due to Gary, he had a way of setting us up that usually we looked quite solid and compact and hard to break down. And I felt that that was the case. I felt that Sunderland had a lot of the ball, but they're playing in front of us. And that's probably because they, they, they lack a central focal point up front. Um, and I think one of the biggest sort of things I observed in the first half, which was a bit of a nothing game for the first 30, 40 minutes, to be honest, um, was they always seemed to have options and players available, whether that be the two wide players that I referred to or whether that be just the movement. For us, it it, it often felt that our players never seemed to have the time on the ball and our players weren't really moving. It's it's basics in football, um, but I felt... You know, at times our back line was getting caught out and I felt that, again, we were quite static. Um, I felt the only player that really demanded the ball at times, not all times, was Kevin Nisbet, but to feet, not in behind because he's that's kind of the way he likes to play. So I, if I'm honest, I thought the first half up until the goal, there wasn't much um, activity. The, the, the best chance of the game for us in the first half came, I think, um on about 40 minutes, where as a free kick, it comes back out to Saville, um and uh basically puts it anywhere else and it and it probably goes in because the amount of bodies in the way, but it goes straight at the goal, goalkeeper. Um, then we do get a goal, and it comes from um Ryan Leonard winning a 50-50 with Dan Ballard, although coming off uh worse. Dan Ballard goes into the book from the subsequent challenge. That leaves Dan Ballard out of position. Uh, they're exposed defensively. And then Brook Norton Cuffey whips in a brilliant ball towards the back post with Kevin Nisbet. And it is a superb finish. Make no mistake about it. He's got to kind of open his body up and take it as the ball is rising. And he puts it into the bottom corner. It is a really, really good finish from Kevin Nisbet. And that will do his confidence well to good. Two goals in two games. I think we will start to see the best of Kevin Nisbet next season because I think he needs a proper pre-season with a proper fitness coach because, for me, none of the players look fit uh, this season and they still don't look quite fit and and, and Joe Edwards alluded to it and I think Nisbet being in and out of the team, I think we'll see the best of Kevin Nisbet next season when he's got a full preseason under his belt. But he is improving um, and there is no doubt about it that he is a natural-born finisher and it's a superb finish. And we go in at half-time 1-0. Probably... Um, I wouldn't say Mowbray said we scored against a run-a-play. I wouldn't necessarily say it was against a run-a-play, but I would say that no one really deserved to be leading after that first half. Um, it was very much a, a bit of a, you know, for a neutral, I think the first half was was probably pretty boring. Um, however, the second half was anything but. And although there was only one goal, um, there was there was plenty of incident. Um, the I felt that. The second half, we started with quite a lot of intensity. Um, we had a lot more of the ball. I felt, I felt that we were we, we sort of kept it ticking over. The atmosphere started to grow, um, and we, in in all honesty, we probably had um, the, the the better chances uh, in that second half. I think the most noticeable chance chance for Sunderland, other than their goal. Was of course um, Dan Ballard's opportunity where he blazed it over from six yards. I think this fact probably falls to someone other than Dan Ballard or or a striker that probably goes uh, 1 1. But um, the game, I have to say, the second half from a neutral was probably quite enjoyable. It was quite end to end at times. I felt that when they brought their subs on, and again, you know, having the ability to bring on a trio of substitutions, uh, as much as we don't like. Alex Pritchard, um, and Bradley Dack, you know, for 20, 30 minutes in this league, they are very, very good players. And and Patrick Roberts always seems to give us a bit of a run around. And I think, you know, I counted five times where he he beat Murray when he came on. I felt the subs really gave them something when they came on. And um, I felt that, you know, a goal was probably coming. However, before the goal comes, we should make it 2-0. We had... uh, a couple of opportunities both fall into Bradshaw. One of them um, was created by uh, Ryan Longman, who I thought actually was very good when he came on. Um, he uh, creates something out of nothing, puts a ball into the box. It's a super nice little sort of uh, attempt by Bradshaw, but it's a very, very good save from, um, is it Patterson or Palmer, their keeper? I always get them mixed up uh, from their keeper. Good save. And then to me, the best chance created by um, the uh, impressive uh, Watmore, again, who came on. Um, Watmore, the thing that frustrates me a lot more is his fitness. I mean, he's just never fit. And when he is fit and he starts games, he doesn't necessarily impact the game the way he does when he comes on as a sub. I thought he was very, very good, industrious, full of running creativity and it's him who creates a, a one-on-one opening for Bradshaw and the keeper comes out and you have got to give credit to the keeper but Bradshaw needs to have enough guile to either lift over the keeper or go around him because the keeper had kind of already committed um and we could be 2-0 and we could be uh, I I think 2-0 and, and the Sunderland team would have would have definitely um not crumbled but I don't think they'd have found a way to get back into it. We don't take that chance and then um incidentally I think it was around the 66th minute, so going slightly back in time, uh, Jack Clark, who could and should, in my opinion, have been sent off for uh, a second booking after a tug back. I think it was on Ryan Leonard. Um, Actually, what happens is is Savile gets booked for complaining that Clark isn't being booked. Um, And the problem I have with that is, listen, don't get me wrong. If I am refereeing a game, am I giving out bookings for all of the things that the referee gave a booking out for yesterday? No, I'm not. But you have to be consistent. And my problem is with this referee is that for him to have been consistent, he would have shown Jack Clark a second yellow for that. And he'd have got sent off. The amount of times our players got booked for similar things or for dissent, I think Watmore gets booked for a very similar tug um, much later on in the second half. So you're just looking for consistency from the ref. And I, I hate blaming referees. You know, I think for those of you that listen to me do this, I, I do try to show a more pragmatic approach. Um, but for me, the referee's got that wrong. And uh, unfortunately for us, that that changes the complexion of the game because Jack Clark shouldn't be on the pitch. Therefore, Jack Clark wouldn't win a penalty and therefore Jack Clark wouldn't have scored the subsequent penalty. So um, in, terms of that, in terms of the penalty, uh, again... The only other time that Jack Clark gets past Ryan Leonard, he gets past Ryan Leonard, he runs into the box, and then you see a challenge come in from behind from Ryan Leonard. Um, A big appeal and the referee uh, points straight to the penalty spot. My personal take on the penalty is this. In real time, I thought it was a penalty from from where I was. Having seen it back from uh, uh, multiple angles... Again, for me, if I'm refereeing that game, I'm biased. I don't think it's a penalty because he gets the ball. However, 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 he does get the ball, but he comes in from an angle that is is in the in Jack Clark's favour, and therefore, as part of getting the ball, after getting the ball, he takes out the legs of Jack Clark. It is after he got the ball, so to me, that's not a penalty. However. I don't really understand the rules anymore, but in today's day and age, I'm not surprised that something like that is deemed as a penalty.
1: Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
2: The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football.
0: The game's gone because that should never be a foul. But that's kind of where I am. So for me, it wasn't the penalty. However, I can understand arguments that would say it was. However, key point is he should never have been on the pitch in the first place. The penalty is given, the penalty is taken by Jack Clark. And listen, I never expect goalkeepers to say penalties. We should never have that expectation of them. But how close he gets to it, and the fact he dives over it, dives over it. I think Bart will be disappointed if he doesn't save that penalty. So it's one-one, and like I said, I, I kind of sensed with the subs that they brought on that it was kind of heading the way of, of Sunderland getting a goal, and it's like, Robert, well, how do we react? And I have to say, I felt actually we we were the better side and we were the one that looked like scoring the the, the the winning goal. Obviously, we have a disallowed goal, which I think was unfortunately correct. Ryan Longman's looped, shot deflected, comes back off the um, upright and Bradshaw puts it into an empty net, but is a judge to be offside. And I think that's correct. Uh, we huffed, we puffed, um, created better chances, but unfortunately, just not, just not quite enough. And the game finishes one apiece. Um, I think maybe a fair result, but when you take into consideration the penalty and all the things I said about that and about Jack Clark, I think we're we're hard done by to not walk away with three points. And again, that's me trying to be as unbiased as I can. Um, I think Sunderland are a good side. Um, I don't think they're a top six side, if I'm being honest. Maybe if they had a Ross Stewart, that obviously they don't anymore, a central striker. Um, they got some good players. And, and what was really interesting is I always look at, uh, you know, other fans' uh, forums and, and, you know, see what they say after the game and obviously always listen to the opposition manager. Um, and what's quite evident just from watching those two things is there's a lot of pressure on Tony Mowbray at the moment. Um, and all I can say for any some of the fans listening to this is I think you're a central striker away from being a, a very good side and potentially a top six side. I, I don't really see much else wrong I think that Dan Ballard was, unfortunately for us, very good yesterday. The amount of uh, first ball contacts he won, every single ball we put into the box, Ballard was there. He is able, I feel he's improved his game in terms of bringing the ball out and being able to pick a pass. He was assured he didn't let the occasion get the better of him coming back to his former club. In actual fact, he actually went through quite a few of our players, which as a Sunderland fan, that's what I want to see. Someone who's not phased about going back to his old club. Um, So, I felt you did have a a clear tactic trying to implement with your two wide players. I felt Jack Clark, I thought he was probably the best player on the pitch. So for those who say that he's not effective, you know, we did try to sort of mark him, uh, mark him out of the game. And I have to say, whatever Millwall fans think of Ryan Leonard, he must be an absolute pain in the backside to play against because he never gives up and always comes back for more. Um, So, you know, And to have the substitutions that you've got, I think the weak link was Mason Burstow, who looked a bit lost up there on his own. I think if you've got a better striker, I think you're a good side. So look, Sunderland fans, I'm not quite seeing what you're seeing in terms of wanting Mowbray out. I've always liked Tony Mowbray. I think he's a very good manager and a very good coach. And um, in another time, in another another life, I'd have loved to have seen him down at Millwall. So look, I think um, that's my take on Sunderland. I think... What I would say for us is it was much better. I felt the players were more together. Coincidentally, we do then take the opportunity, Cooper, Savile, to get in the referees and every time we did, they, we get booked. Whereas it's just, it's just us all, because in all the previous games, they wouldn't have been booked for that. Um, but I felt we, there, there was more intensity. I felt there was more togetherness from the group, a much more sh- a structured performance. There was elements of Gary Rowett in that performance. Uh, you, know, you might not want to hear it, but there was. Um, but I felt there was a little bit more attacking quality and just a little bit more fighting the players. So it was definitely a step in the right direction. The problem is other teams are starting to win games and we only got a point against a side that I think, from our perspective, were there for the taking yesterday. You know, other teams are winning. Sheffield Wednesday uh, had a, a, a you know a good win yesterday. Rotherham picking up points. Um, I think Plymouth won yesterday. Huddersfield keep winning. QPR have won two in two. We're for anyone watching this who doesn't think we're in a relegation battle I, I think you need to give your, your head a wobble because we are um, factually I think we are one of the worst bottom bottom six sides in the league on paper I think we are and I said this at the start of the season um, in terms of the recruitment and, and what we needed to to just stand still so I think we are in a relegation battle I don't think we'll go down but I don't think it will be easy I do think we need more bodies. I think we need to give Edwards time, but we also need to start winning games. We've got two games now, Cardiff, where you've got the likes of Savile and Cooper, who are both on um, suspended after five bookings that they picked up yesterday. And, um, you know, that means that well, probably Hutch comes back in and with Dinor out, uh, no option but for Campbell and Mitchell to be our midfield pairing. So, or, or does Leonard move into the centre of the park? Don't know. Um, but I think definitely an improvement you know both Edwards and Harding's post-match interviews suggest that they're a little bit happier with the situation and, and and I think the fans are um but we're not out of a relegation battle for me um I think eventually we will have enough to stay up but I don't think it's going to be easy and we need to start winning matches so that's my overall take on it in terms of the players and performances so um I'll pick out I'm going to pick four players out to talk about overall. Um, I've already kind of touched on Nesbitt and needing a bit more fitness and that's evident. Um, Maybe I'll pick more than four out. Uh, So I want to pick Ryan Leonard out. So if Ryan Leonard, and I've said this quite a few times, if Ryan Leonard was fit and was not injury prone for me, he would be one of, if not the first name on the team sheet. Um, he is. He's never going to be the most gifted, technically gifted footballer. Although he can strike a ball and he's, he he um he almost uh, scored in the first half with a long range effort, but he's never going to be someone that's going to you know produce a magnificent piece of skill. But what he is, he's going to give you everything on that pitch, and he's not going to rest until he does what he needs to do. He is very very quick, over five, ten, fifteen yards. Um. He's strong he's versatile he can cover a lot of ground i prefer him at the back because probably it helps with his dodgy knees or calves or whatever he's got hamstrings he doesn't have to twist and turn as much um i think he's brilliant and i think if he was a couple of years younger and not injury prone it would be a premier league player just my opinion um i thought he was excellent yesterday other than giving away a harsh penalty um because he gave away the penalty, I'm going to give my man of the match to someone else who actually got the official man of the match, which was was broadcast on the screen. I've never seen that before, which was Brooke Norton Cuffey. He was our only player for me that, again, I talked about it looking quite tight and sort of us, our players not having a lot of time on the ball. He was the only player yesterday that I felt could get him out of those situations just by beating a man. Um, and he's the only player that had more than one successful dribble attempt in the team, he had three, which just says a lot about our ability to have ball carriers in our team, which is why we don't have the athleticism that other teams have. And we've talked about that. Every other team seems to have it. We don't. And that's because the recruitment that was done under the previous regime was set up to basically play one way, which was not to have those types of players. So I thought he was really good yesterday. It was a great cross um, for the goal, Obviously, Nisbet has still a lot to do, it was a great cross for the goal, um, and his overall game I thought was was brilliant. Um, so, Norton coffee, man of the match for me. Returning Billy Mitchell, I thought was okay. I don't think it's one of his best games, but you have to take into consideration it is a returning game. He'd be eager to impress, and I think he probably just needs now a bit of a run of games. We'll probably start to see the Billy Mitchell bowl, but I wouldn't say I was massively impressed yesterday. But I think it's it's fair to to caveat that. Um, thought Murray Wallace was a bit better, but in context of the last few ga- games for me, we do need to be looking at another left back, whether that is if we can get Joe Bryan, you know, stop taking photography lessons and and trying every single coffee shop in London and actually getting him on the pitch, whether that's we need to sign someone else. Um, because quite clearly Malachi is not in Edward's plans at the moment. Love Murray Wallace, but um sometimes things run their natural course. And I think that's happened with Murray Wallace. I think it's probably happened with another, a couple of other players, including Mr. Hutchinson. Um, and then the other player I want to sort of uh, pull out is uh, Zim Fleming. Um, I, I'm, I'm really divided. So what I would say is Zian Fleming's form is not good. And for me, he's not contributing enough. But what I would say is he quite clearly has a lot of ability And we need to find a way of getting him to produce that ability on the pitch because he's the type of player that will win games of football on his own because he did last season. So, for me, he still starts. But I want to caveat that I feel his form is not good enough. He looked a bit more interested yesterday, um, but he's got to start producing very, very soon or otherwise, S.A., come into the team who is not really getting any minutes which again what does that tell us um we made quite a few subs around the 60 minute mark which is a very it thing to do and again to me what that tells me is a edwards doesn't know his first 11 yet and b the players aren't fit enough to play 90 minutes and the likes of what can come on for 20 30 minutes in or they didn't come on yesterday 20 30 minutes and impact the game but for whatever reason We're just not fit enough to last the whole game. And that's a real concern for me. And that's why I say, I think, you know, Edwards does need to be given time. This group of players with a few more Edwards-style players and a proper pre-season, because as I said many times, the players were not fit. I think you'll see a very, very different side. And I think we all need to buy into Edwards. We all knew it was going to take time. My only concern is we have to start winning because... Otherwise, we're not going to be in the championship next season. And you might laugh at this and go, have a laugh, mate. We're going to be fine. Well, I think it's only four points now, four or five points. So, and does that change our recruitment strategy in jan- January? Does it become a, rather than building for the long term, we bring in loan players basically to, to keep us in the league and then we go in the summer? Um, I don't know. But all I know is is this squad is set up to play one way, which was for Rowit to essentially... And Rowett and Aldridge need to take responsibility for the recruitment, both of them. But this group, this squad is set up to play Rowett style, which is to essentially have a lot more men behind the ball, to not expose our defensive limitations, and then to try and use some of our better creative players in one-on-one situations for them to create a moment of magic up top. But no real game plan up front. That was Rowett style for four years. From a results perspective, it's been good. No one can argue with that. But what Edwards has tried to do, not so much yesterday, I think as I say, yeah, he's balanced balance right yesterday, but he's tried to move us too far on. And I think he's learning and uh, he's realising that the players just aren't capable when they're used to play in this style of football to go all the way up here on the scale. So he's trying to bring them back in here. And then maybe when he gets more, more sort of some of his players, he can move them back this way a little bit. For those of you listening on a podcast, you'll be thinking, what on earth is he on about? But you uh you, you you get my point he's tried to maybe change too much too quickly he's learning we're learning with him and i think now what we need to start seeing is is um a couple more wins on the board um to give everyone a little bit more confidence in the longer term plan so look that's that um i think i'll leave it there um apologies i haven't uh, done these for a little while but nice to be back and um obviously really looking forward to uh to reviewing this once we've got three points next Saturday not um, we'll see but no look um, hopefully uh, the rot being stopped has given you a little bit better weekend than before um, thanks as always for listening um, a uh, a better crowd yesterday by the way uh, I thought I'd mention I felt the atmosphere was was better again for me it's just down to what the players produce on the pitch you know it's it's um, they start to give a bit more intensity and, and then it comes from the crowd. And, and obviously credit to Sunderland, um, you know, uh, rivalries aside, very well supported, very well followed and, um, uh, you know, well sung and things yesterday. So 1-1 one, one draw, I think similar result to last year, probably similar sort of performance. And uh, we take that and we now move on to try and climb the league uh, before Christmas. So thanks very much for listening. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Bye for now.